I just got stuck in a bogey train. Good evening or morning or afternoon or middle of the night or whenever you are listening to episode 33 of the Bogey Train podcast. I'm your host, Nick. I've got Jangs with me. What up? What up? What's good? Another week. It's summertime officially. uh, Yeah, we missed last week. Apologies, but also not really because we kind of said that once it was nice out, you know, we might this... uh, we might not get it out every week, yeah. but we're doing the best uh, we can. I think between last time we recorded and this time, I'm no longer in school. It's officially summertime. So I've been enjoying, you know, getting getting out and playing a lot more golf. Um, the weather's acting like it's summertime, too. The weather is acting very crazy. It's been like seven straight days of 85 to 90 degrees. Um it's it's feeling like it's mid-July, but it's early June. But uh, I, I'm here for it. It's been a perfect opportunity to get out and play lots of golf. I think in the last, uh, you know, last four or five days or so, I think I've probably played, um, you know, 54, 63 holes in the last four days. There so been playing lots of golf, getting the game fine-tuned, getting everything figured out. Uh, and it's been going pretty well. I played uh, four 18-hole rounds last week. So that's definitely more than you know any week so far this year. Uh, probably last year, too. So it was definitely a good week for me as far as uh, you know holes of golf per day. If you're using that as a, um, as a metric. And yeah. Just like you, the weather's getting sunny. It's getting hot. It is it is summer, and we are trying to take advantage of it. Yeah. Wrapping up uh, the high school golf season uh, tomorrow as we're recording this. Um, had our first day of the state tournament today. We have day two tomorrow, and then my coaching duties are done as well, and it's just it's my time to play golf the rest of the summer. There you go. Got some other some other work stuff we'll have to do. I'll have to go to some orientation stuff for my new job. But um yeah. Good deal. Um oh what what, what should we start with? Where should we where should we I start think, this one? I think we should cue the royalty music. Um because ah. our our king, the one and only Crown Vic. Crown him. Crown him. He was Crown one Vic. may say one may say he was Victor Yes yesterday at the memorial uh tournament. One might say that, and you'd be right, because Victor Hovland takes the memorial and uh this is a new victor. Absolutely. This was a guy who within the last two months, I was saying in big tournaments. Is n- doesn't feel like a threat on Sundays. And in our last episode, when we uh, talked about the PGA Championship, I said, you know, Victor Victor looks different. Uh, he played awesome on that Sunday against Brooks. He just had that one bad break on the 16th hole, but he was making a bunch of huge putts and, like always, striking the crap out of the ball. And I just felt like he turned a corner. 
They was in contention again last week at Colonial because ball striking like that, it's hard to not be in contention. We'll get to someone else that's like that. Um, Scotty Scheffler. And uh, yeah, he goes to Memorial and gets it done. And, you know, the, the impressive part and, um, you know, sort of his mindset because in his interview after the round, he just said, you know, it's nice to be able to win a tournament, not only because I just ball struck or was ball striking it to death, but that I can rely on some things that may not have been strengths before, but that are now strengths. So he was basically talking about his putting cause he putted really well. And uh, so, yeah, I think, I think Victor has turned a corner and he's going to, he's going to play some really good golf and some really big events moving forward. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. If you remember back to our, our master's episodes where uh, he was really in contention for, for three rounds and then kind of fell out of it there towards the end at Augusta. I, I was one who kind of stood by him. I, I saw the, the potential in our boy crown Vic and since then, it's just it's kind of been an upward trajectory. Uh, you move on from the Masters, and we get to the PGA. And like you mentioned, he played really well again. He was in contention on Sunday. Uh, just a, a big error on 16 really took him out of it. And really since then, he's been playing some pretty consistent uh, and pretty good golf. You know, last week, a top 20 at the colonial tournaments the charles schwab challenge now uh kind of a rough final round 73 there to finish t16 and then obviously winning it this week at memorial putting himself on that that right trajectory uh you know really finding his form leading into the u.s open uh and the open championship here coming up the next couple months two more majors this year I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who we will see in contention in those majors as well. Yeah. So like I said, when Victor mentioned his putting, he said, um, I can't remember the exact quote, but he just said, you know, I, I putted really, really well this week and the stats absolutely bear that out. He was third in the field in strokes gained putting, uh, which, uh, yeah, is not something we are accustomed to from Victor Holland, but a, you know, clearly it's something he's working very hard on and uh, he's seeing, seeing the results. So awesome to see that from Vic. And uh, how much of the memorial did you get to catch? Uh, zero. Okay. Uh, I saw very little of almost none of the final round yesterday as I was busy doing other things, but it seemed like it was a pretty fun one to watch. I mean, the course was playing insanely tough. Basically, if you missed a fairway, you almost had no chance. Uh, the greens were firm and they were absolutely flying. Um, there were so many places around those greens where you just could not miss it because you had, if you were short-sighted, you you had no chance. And uh, we kind of saw that as Rory McIlroy fell apart on the back nine. And uh, so, yeah, it, was, it made for some interesting viewing for those that got to watch it more than both of us did, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anything else on Victor? Do we talk? I mean, Denny McCarthy who lost in the playoff. Yeah. I'll talk, uh, you know, a couple other little things on Victor. Um, 
Big win yesterday gets him to number five in the world, OWGR, uh, sixth in the data golf rankings. And this is kind of where I want to bring up the data golf rankings um, or just rankings in general. At this moment, I I think Victor Hovland should be should be higher than number six. I think at this exact moment, I think Victor Hovland is probably the third best player in the world. Um, you know, I think Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm one and two, but I think Victor Hovland is is the next guy up. So that's that's not crazy. That's not crazy to think that. Um, I'm okay with the ranking systems not. Uh, not moving as quickly as maybe you would like, because then it would just basically be, you know, whoever It'd be, yeah, won the tournament hot. each week would be the best, would be the number one player in the world. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that it has to be sort of a longer body of work, but I mean, yeah, at this moment I could definitely, I could definitely hop on board with that. It goes Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm in either order, probably Scotty first. I think Scotty first and then, and then Rahm. Then what about, where would you put Brooks in there? I, I would probably put Brooks at, at I'm gonna put four. Brooks above Victor. I, I'm gonna I put go, Brooks at four. I'm gonna go Victor Brooks and then probably uh Rory or Xander. Probably Xander at this moment. Rory's been kind of shaky. He was in contention this week. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Rory. That was that was tough to see on the back. Yeah, very, very yesterday. tough to see. Um but yeah, we got a lot of a lot of guys to talk about from yesterday. Uh now you mentioned Denny McCarthy was was in the lead uh, coming down the stretch. I believe he had a one shot yep. lead going into eighteen, and then and he was up by he was up by two with two holes left. Okay, so he finished. Bogey, um, bogey. No, uh, Victor actually birdied seventeen. Oh, okay, okay, Victor birdied seventeen, which is like uh, one of the hardest holes on the course. Five hundred yard par four into the wind, birdied it to get within one, and then McCarthy bogeyed eighteen. Uh, for the playoff, and then Victor yeah, in the playoff, Victor hit the fairway. McCarthy was way right, and he ended up making a bogey. And Victor had to two putt from, I think fifty five or sixty feet somewhere in there. Left his first one like five to six feet short, and then just curled in the par putt for the win. How about that uh, Jim Nance call though, from, from Oslo to Ohio? Yes, yes. I feel like I'm he sure was gets... sleeping on that one for a while. Like he was. <laughs> he... He's been he waiting. Just waiting. Yeah. Siwoo Kim with a solo fourth. Um, our guy, Slick Rick, was in the mix again. Um, Slick Rick has been putting up some some good how, rounds. How closely did you follow Ricky this weekend? Um, I, I was here and there with Ricky. Like I said, I didn't watch a lot of the coverage, but I knew it was that he was in contention kind of going into the weekend. He was like two or three back um, and then struggled on Saturday and actually got himself, you know, two shots off the lead again on Sunday. It was and it, it was like a weird mix of exciting and also extremely deflating from Ricky this weekend. So uh, his first hole of the tournament, he makes double on Thursday, but, uh, ends up salvaging an even par first round, which with a course playing that hard, that's not going to kill you. Second round, he goes four under, gets himself right in the mix. And then Saturday, he was two under on the round through 12, 
and I think he was in third at the time. Just like a, sh- a shot back or something, one or two back, and uh, proceeds to bogey four of his last five, including 16, 17, and 18, to finish his round uh, with a 74 at minus two. And then Sunday gets himself in the mix through 12 holes again. So he was three under through 12. He was five under. At that point, he was one off the lead and bogeyed his last three holes for the second straight day. So um, I'm sure there were a lot of players who had finishes similar to that because of how tough it was playing, but it's just, he is so close. He's so close. And even you go back the week before at the Charles Schwab, I mean, T6 at the Charles Schwab, uh, three shots off the pace there as well. Yeah, that was... uh, that was incredibly backdoor. I think he only made the cut by one or two. Yeah, I mean, and, he was uh, but 68, 71, uh, the first two rounds. So he would have been one under. You know, um, um, like, yeah, the last couple of weeks, really tough courses where the scoring hasn't been good and he's just hanging around on the weekend. Um, I don't know. Does that, uh, does that sort of play bode well for a certain tournament that's coming up in a week or two? Um, I that's think run it, by the USGA. I, I think it's a good sign for uh, the U.S. Amateur when that takes oh. place here pretty soon. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, his ball I, striking remains awesome. I, I uh, like his was, form. He was seventh in, in the field in uh, strokes gained tee to green. Uh, did not have a great week putting. He uh, just barely lost strokes to the field putting. Um. But yeah, he just, I don't know if it's a mental thing at this point. Like as soon as he gets in the mix, something happens or if it was just because the course was playing that hard. So, or a mix yeah. of the two, I'm not quite sure. Uh, you mentioned kind of that finishing stretch, 16, 17, 18. He finished bogey, 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 both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I saw in the news uh, and on Twitter and stuff this week, a lot of people complaining about hole 16. Uh, what's What was the deal with that? Oh, I don't know. I actually um, haven't been on Twitter in a number of days, so. No. Yeah, because there's, for some reason, everybody's just roasting hole 16. Uh, I don't remember who it was on the coverage, but they hit a shot, and they just said, like, this is the stupidest hole ever. And they had Jack on the coverage at the exact same time, and he's like, oh, yeah, that like that might be true. Jeez. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I don't know what everyone's deal with 16 is right now, uh, but. I, they might have added a new T and lengthened it, but I'm not quite sure uh, exactly what it is that, yeah, that you're it was just, it referencing. Was, I don't know. Um, um, yeah, it is just you don't see it every day to where 71, 71, 69, 70 will win on the PGA Tour. No. So that was the, the winning score there from Hovland. And uh, do we talk Scotty now? Um, I think before we talk Scotty, there's two guys or one guy I want to talk about, uh, the guy who lost to Victor Hovland in the playoff, Denny McCarthy, um, who has since been referred to by the no laying up podcast as, um, shoot. What's his name? Who's the guy that shot JFK? Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh my. (laughs) Apparently he looks like Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, you know, solid week out of Denny McCarthy. Missed the cut at the Charles Schwab. Comes back and 
puts himself in contention uh, this week. Insane super. putter of the golf ball. Danny exactly. McCarthy. Yeah, I was just it, it, super, super crazy stat line this week. Um. Yeah, like for the event, uh, plus 2.83 strokes gained putting. You look at round three and four alone, he gained four shots with the putter in round three, and he gained three and a half shots with the putter in round four. I mean, I mean it was guy, probably it was probably the exact same for one and two because he gained over eleven for the week. Yeah, I mean, let's let's look here. He one, he, he he led the field. He gained eleven point two seven nine putts <laughs> or shots putting. One was two and three quarters, and round two was just one point one three. Um. So, but insane putter of the golf ball, Danny McCarthy. Uh, shout out yeah. to him. You know, I think I think he finished last year first in strokes gained putting for the year. Wouldn't, so that, wouldn't have been mad to see someone like him win, uh, especially no, yeah, in the event. But yeah, I was probably pulling for Victor a little bit more, especially because I was watching it with my wife, and she's a Victor fan. Um, but, but yeah, he was he was clearly devastated after you know not getting it done in the playoff and having a two shot lead with two to play. But, um, you know, good to see a performance like that of him. And I hope he'll be back. And I hope he, uh, I hope he gets one soon. He's like you said, just a phenomenal putter. And, uh, I don't know. It's cool to see guys that aren't just like insane talents, you know, off the tee and things like that being in the mix at tournaments and, you know, just, kind of grinding and gritting their way to uh to playing really well and being in the mix. Yeah, this will be a guy that hopefully we keep seeing at the top of the leaderboard. Um and I guess going on to the other end now, uh going from somebody who is a great putter of the golf ball to somebody who has just all of a sudden become a terrible putter of the golf ball. Yeah, this is uh, this is Scotty Scheffler. This is amazing. An outstanding um, stat line this week finishes so basically uh, third place at six under one shot off. Scotty Scheffler and Denny McCarthy finished the week one shot apart, and they couldn't have got there in different, more different ways. No, uh, I think I I heard a stat that if you give Scotty Scheffler Denny McCarthy's putting week, I think I heard he shoots like nineteen under. I bet I wouldn't have been surprised if it was okay. Well, let's see. So Scotty lost eight and a half strokes and so then he gained over 11. So 20, 25 under. If yeah. he has Denny McCarthy's putting week, Scotty Scheffler, I'm just looking at round four alone. Scotty Scheffler gained nine and a half shots on mm-hmm. Sunday. T to green. He shot five under. He lost a shot and a half on the greens alone on Sunday. Yeah, this is this is extraordinary stuff. And to go even further, the guy right behind him on the leaderboard, Siwoo Kim, lost two shots to the field putting on Sunday and shot one over. He shot six shots worse and only lost half a shot more on putting. Yeah. Like, Scotty, just an amazing ball striking. It's like the fact that he's not winning these tournaments is casting a little bit of a shadow over how well he's hitting the golf ball. I mean, for the week strokes gained off the tee. He was first in the field strokes gained approach. He was first in the field strokes gained around the green. He was first in the field 
Strokes gained so so then obviously it goes to say like Strokes um, gained Tita Green. He almost lapped the field. He almost doubled yeah. up Siwoo Kim, who was in second. Yeah, yeah. He uh he gained essentially tw- uh just rounding up, he gained 21 shots Tita Green for the week. Th- these are insane numbers. And then he was by far and away the worst putter in the field for the week. Which Did is only 65 guys on the number make the cut. I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. 65 on the number. How, like what, uh, what was second to last for, uh, second to last was, I believe Sam Bennett. No, Tom Hoagie. Uh, Tom Hoagie was second to last and he was, where, where'd you go, Tom? Where'd you go? Uh, minus 2.06. So, I mean, pretty close to Scotty. But that's per round, per round. So rounding oh, yeah. up eight. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, this is it's, crazy stuff. Like, and I feel like if you go back a year, we're talking about, you know, Scotty Scheffler being a, a really decent putter of the golf ball. Um, you know, at the Masters, he, he was making some nice putts. Uh and really going back to this year's Masters, this has kind of been the topic. Uh, you know, it seemed like he was not really happy with the putter at the Masters and obviously putted horrible there. Uh, and since then, things have apparently not gotten any better. So I don't know. Maybe Scotty needs to put a uh, tailor-made spider in the bag and that will uh, get his putting straightened out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know exactly what. Because uh, like that's just that's just absurd. Also, Adam Scott was top five in the field strokes gained putting. You don't see that a lot. Now that long flat stick. Um. Do we beat the Do we beat the Scotty horse enough? I, th- I think so. Next time we have the podcast, we will also talk about Scotty not making putts. So. Uh, that's just going to be recurring a recurring segment, probably. Um, okay, where are we at here? We just finished so Scotty. The, yeah, so is there going down the leaderboard? Is there anyone else that you felt was worth mentioning? Well, we touched on Ricky already. Spieth again. The experience is T five. I mean, this is kind of on the same path as Ricky this week. Was was up there. Uh, and then kind of fell back, and then was up there again. See, like I Rory, honestly didn't even know Spieth was T five until you just said that. Yeah, T five. Um, Rory was tied for the lead going into the final round. Shot three over. Yep, I have um, a uh, I have a stat on Rory. Oh, um, if you can, I gotta I gotta find it. But if you can, if you can stall. That'd be amazing. Yeah, you reminded me. I'm going to go look at my bookmarks on Twitter because I always bookmark my stuff I want to talk about on the podcast. Um, okay, I think uh, this is completely off topic. I think Ludwig Aberg uh, played himself into the U.S. Open today. I No, he missed. I looked. He missed? He missed, I'm pretty sure. I thought he was playing really well. He was he was like four under after the first eighteen, but I think he did not play too well the uh the last eighteen. Um okay, so Rory yesterday 
He made a bogey on hole five from the fairway with a wedge. He bogeyed hole seven from the fairway with a wedge. He bogeyed 13 from the fairway with a wedge. And he also bogeyed 14 from the fairway with a wedge. So guys great with the wedges. You, uh, you hate to see that. And obviously, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like they never make mistakes or anything like that, but to, uh, to have that happen that many times in one round. So obviously the course was playing tough, but you, you can't just make it that much tougher on yourself where the, uh, the holes that are actually presenting themselves as birdie opportunities, um, yeah, you're putting yourself in tough spots uh, from the middle of the fairway on those. Just to uh, go back to what you said, Ludwig did not make the uh, U.S. Open. Shot 66 Man. in the first round, followed up with a 70. Uh, he missed by three. He actually finished behind Michael Block. Oh, wow. Said qualifier. Speaking of guys in this qualifier, you know, we not someone we have to touch on in depth, but who's this Harry Hall guy? He's been all over the place the last couple of weeks. Uh, was at the top of the leaderboard in the Charles Schwab. He wears the goofy Bryson-looking hat. Huh. Um, where'd this guy come from? I think he's from England. Is that? Yeah, he's English. Does he have status on tour? It says he joined the tour in 2023. Is this yeah, just I don't, his, I don't know. He's played, 20, he's played 21 events this year. He finished... Top 10 at Mexico Open. T7 at the Puerto Rico. So he's just been playing the, the junk events. Yeah, those events, um, you might call them junk events, but I call them the Rafa Campo Slam. Yeah. Well, he's uh, he's the first alternate from that uh, that qualifier. So Jimmy Walker, um, second alternate. Shout out. So speaking of Harry Hall, do we talk uh, Colonial or is that too far in the rearview mirror to even uh, talk about it? Yeah, we don't have to talk about Colonial. Michael okay. Block, the Block Party. Uh, the Block Party took a huge there's There's a little bit of a hangover from the Block Party last weekend. Um, finished DFL, uh, 81-74. Yeah, you hate to see that. Hit a really cool shot off the bridge, though. So that's that's positive. Yeah, he hit a shot off the bridge. Um, Good for Blocky. The other thing I would like to mention from the Charles Schwab challenge is that Dylan Fertelli missed the cut. So shout out Dylan Fertelli. You're garbage. Um, wow. Savage. Don't like that guy. Speaking of savage, Rory Sabatini missed the cut, our local Slovakian. Tough week for him. Kevin Kisner. He's just, golf. He's just so Slovak it hurts, you know? I don't know how Harry Higgs is still playing tour events the way he's been playing. Yeah, that's been tough. Did you see the uh, Billy Horschel stuff? Yeah, the 84 and he was crying? Yeah. 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 And I've seen people like, oh, there's a grown man. You're, you're crying because of a round of golf. It's like, okay, it's not it's not just one bad. It's just sort of the fact that, you know, he's literally the defending champion. And in 12 months, he went from winning the event to you know, he lost his game so much that he shot 84 in the first round, which, you know, I, and that probably sucks yeah. you know, to, to have yeah. lost all of your confidence when the last year and the year before, you know, he was 
um, other than majors, one of the, you know, top 20, 30 players in the world. Yes. So. Um, and speaking of, you know, 84, uh, and also speaking of Dylan Fertelli, I'm just going to say at the, the memorial this week, uh, withdraw from Dylan Fertelli, what was it? Injury or illness? I don't remember what excuse was, he the, had. The, 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 the official explanation was illness. Um, I do know that. Then I think I also heard that after his illness, he was seen in the player dining drinking a milkshake. So, are you serious? Whatever, whatever illness it was, apparently could have been solved with a milkshake. Are um, you are you making that up or is no? That I, I actually heard that. Uh, I. I mean, it did come from no laying up, so it could be serious, could not be serious. But, but bogey um, train of the week nominee. Well, it's, what's really interesting is if you look at the last shot he hit before withdrawing. Where uh, it went? Uh, yeah, the tee shot on fifteen went uh, somewhere that is off the map on at least on tour cast, and it went two hundred and fourteen yards. Is the clubhouse somewhere over there? That's a good question. So I wonder if, uh, you know, that was a little snap hook there and he had just absolutely had it. Because it'd be really ironic if the clubhouse was over there. Um, For context, he was 15 over through 14 on the day. Oh, he was well on his way to shooting in the 90s. Uh, but well, he, had, he, had a, he had a chance for a good finish. Well, he hits it unknown. He's probably taking it unplayable, reteeing. Okay, yeah, so he's, he's making, maybe at least 17. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. He would have been he would have needed to par out to but shoot the, an 89. The Dylan Fratelli Bogey Train of the Week nominee. Um this doesn't even need to be a nominee. This was like <laughs> this was Well, we'll start on we'll start on this. hole 1. Uh par par par. Okay, yeah, start. even even solid yeah, even start. Three. Bogey bogey birdie. So one over, you know, Tough course, right? Bogey par double, triple, Ooh, triple, man. double, bogey double, shot one, 214 to unknown WD. Yeah, that's that's not a stretch you ever want. Double, triple, triple, double, bogey, double. That's, that's, uh, I, I'm just, I have to look at Mirfield Village and find hole 15 and see if it is anywhere near the clubhouse. Because it'd be really ironic if it was, and then he just like hit his shot and walked off the course. It does not look like it is. Wait, is that 15 right there? Nope. I'm looking par five, little creek that goes in front of the green. I think all the par fives there are kind of Where similar, is this though. stupid hole? I don't know. Well, and oh, it's right there. Are you looking at Google Earth? I'm looking at Google. Oh, it's not super far away. It's just right next because, to 17. Because the 15th hole, I think they changed it. It looks different this year. So if you're looking at Google Earth, it could definitely look different than it does now. So he's actually, if he just hits the snap hook into the trees on the left side of 15 and just decides, hey, I'm walking off the course, he's actually right next to 18 T box. So all he'd have to do is just walk up 18 and then walk back to the clubhouse and he's there. Uh, if it was than, an illness, he probably got a cart ride. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just had a cart sitting there and it was just, you know, speaking of the milkshakes, can we talk about the milkshakes? Like 
can they stop promoting that on social media? Because no, like fans don't have access to them. Like it's literally only, the is that player. only player dining? Yes. Oh my so gosh. like, I, frankly, I don't think I need to know how good the milkshakes are that the players have access to that. No one else has access to. So as much as I used to like seeing the milkshakes pop up because they look amazing, it's almost like, you know what? I don't know that I need to see that because that's totally different than, you know, when they talk about the pimento cheese or the heat yeah, ice cream sandwich or whatever, whatever is, uh, whatever they've got down in Augusta, because if you are lucky enough to attend, you can actually get all that stuff. But if you are in attendance at the Memorial, you, you can't get a milkshake. You know, if, if Jack was smart and he wanted to promote the milkshake, he should just roll up, on his golf cart to the memorial every year, just blaring my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard because I mean, everybody always talks about the milkshakes at the memorial. Yeah. It was either the milkshakes that brought all the players there or the $20 million purse. I'm not sure. I'm going to go with the milkshakes. Okay. Um, Might've been, might've been, um, anything else? PGA tour. I, I don't think so. Anybody else on the leaderboard that we really need to talk about. Tom Kim okay, still Justin, sucks. Justin Thomas, like this is, I mean, I've been sort of sounding the uh, alarm on JT for a while now, but where did he f- end up finishing? I think he missed the cut at plus six. Plus six. Yep, there he is. Um, yeah, it's it's been an alarming year from Justin Thomas for sure. It is it has not been there. Um. If if you're sounding the alarm, I am right there with you at the exact same time. He um, has he de- moved down four spots in the FedEx Cup and is now seventy fifth in the FedEx Cup. the The putting has not been there from from old JT this year. Just hasn't been able to get it rolling with the flag stick. It's actually been atrocious this year. Yeah, uh, and speaking of sounding the alarm. You might want to sound the Lucas Glover alarm because he also missed the cut this week. So, as, as the sirens go past your house yeah. that I just saw reflecting yeah. on the uh, on the wall. Pr- prayers for Lucas Glover. <laughs> that could not have been more ironic timing. Um, and I guess the last person I want to talk about is Colin Morikawa, who I believe was what two off the lead three off the lead um heading into sunday and had to withdraw with back spasms so uh, i kind of got my attention yeah that that was a little worrisome especially if you're a colin fan and we're so close to the u.s open um kind of a a situation to be aware of going yeah um because you know Coming into the day, what he was he was tied ninth coming into the he, day, only a couple two, shots. He was back. two like, back, yeah. Him withdrawing, I mean, that could have been he could have made seven figures yesterday. So, you know, the fact that he just pulled out of the tournament, it's gotta be something that he's, you know, at least somewhat concerned about because um obviously I'm sure the mindset is make sure you were good to go for the US Open which I totally get, but I mean, to be leaving, you know, possibly one or two or $3 million on the table 
you know, without, with, yeah. with just not giving it a go. I mean, that's sort of, uh, that should probably get your attention. Yeah, it was something, it kind of sounded like he felt fine after the round on Saturday, uh, just didn't sleep right on Sunday, um, woke up Sunday, tried to stretch it out and just didn't, like, could not physically go. So, so I'm uh, looking, um, Justin Thomas is 141st this year in strokes gain putting. Um, Morikawa is 143rd and moved up 15 spots. Where Where's Scotty Scheffler? I was just going to say, Scotty is 146th, but he moved down 32 spots after the Memorial. <laughs> so, oh my. Um, I wonder if you can guess who's last on tour in strokes gained putting. Oh, without looking gosh. at it. Oh, gosh. I'll give you a hint. He won a major. Um, he has won a major. And when he won said major, his putting was extremely shaky. I'm trying to think. That's a pretty, that's a pretty oh, good wow. hint. Putting extremely shaky. And he won a major. And someone that's obviously still playing on tour. Um, I don't. Does Ernie Els still play on tour? Is there Ernie Els? No. Jason Duffner. Yeah. Jason Duffner is last in strokes gained putting, and uh, concerning Lucas Glover is fourth from last. Oh gosh! In strokes gained putting, um, that's not what we need to see. No. Um, have you ever seen the video that went around of him yipping that putt that one time? Uh, uh-uh. Oh my goodness. You need to look that I'm up. I'm going to look it up. Lucas Glover putter. Yep. Like it is remarkable. It's like a one foot putt and he pulls the putter back and like going through, he hits the putt like on the far heel and oh, it is insane. Um, also I knew this guy wasn't a great putter, but I didn't know it was this bad. Cameron Young. Is 189th on tour. Oh, well, did he still make the putt? The one no. that Lucas Glover yipped? Okay, so no, I found a it, different one. It missed. I found a different one where he like barely takes it back and then just smacks it through and it goes in. Oh, I think that's what he started doing recently. Like to like, that's what he's doing to like try to. Why can I not find this Lucas Glover putter yip? Uh, where are you looking? Google. Let's see. Oh, yeah, here it is. Yeah. And the funny thing is, this was a putt to shoot 60. Do you want me to send it to you? Yeah. Wait, I think I found it. Oh, my gosh. I found it. Oh my goodness. Like it hit the circle T logo. Dude, he <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's like when you're putting, you have to you have to send your hand straight out. Like that is just Oh. Prayers for Lucas Glover. Um, but yeah, like Cameron Young is 189th strokes gained putting. That's tough. 
Joel Damon having an absolutely atrocious year on the greens. Joel Damon is having a, an absolutely atrocious year. Well, and I think it's because of his putting. Um, all right. Should we move on? Yeah, let's move before on. Before we mention every single person's standing in strokes every, and putting. We'll just go down the entire list. That'll be the entire episode. Uh, Rose Zhang, did you hear about this? I did. So less than two weeks ago, she wins NCAAs after uh, overcoming a four-shot deficit in the final round. And uh, turns pro, gets a uh, sponsor's exemption into um, the LPGA event this week. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it. It's it was at Liberty Mizu- National. Mizuho. Yeah, yeah. Mizuho. Um, I don't know if invitational or championship or. or it was at Liberty National. And uh, so her first start as a pro um, gets the sponsor's invite and just goes out and wins in a playoff. Some pretty remarkable stuff, especially for someone who's just has the hype that she has coming out of college. Um, there is uh, some Tiger-esque comparisons going on with Rose Zhang at the moment, which yes. uh, that's probably unfair to her, but it's somewhat warranted because she's probably the greatest college player ever. Yeah. Um, just this year alone, uh I believe she won 80% of her college tournaments. Is that the stat I heard? Yeah. Uh, she was eight for 10, obviously won the NCAA championship, won the Augusta national women's amateur of course. Um, and now in her first professional start, as you said, comes out and wins. Uh, and obviously did not do it convincingly. She shot two over in the final she, round. She actually had no birdies in the final round. She had no birdies uh, and ended up, Winning in a playoff over Jennifer Cup Cupcho Cupcho Cupco Cupcho Yep um, Cupcho But yeah, Rose Zhang is you know long been taught. I'm not even a huge LPGA fan. I don't watch a lot of it. Um, but I, I keep hearing about Rose Zhang and uh, how how good she is. How she's going to be the you know the next women's golfer. You know, which I feel like I've heard a lot starting with maybe Jessica Corda and then Nellie Corda and Danielle Kang. And it just keeps going all over the place with women's American golfers. I would say, I would say there hasn't been this much hype around like an out an upcoming women's golfer. Like there was a lot of hype for Nellie. I don't think it wasn't quite like this. Um, there was a lot of hype for Lydia Ko. Uh, I don't think it was quite like this. I mean, when people are, you know, saying and predicting for Rose Zhang, which, Obviously, we can be prisoners of the moment, but just with her talent and then to come out and win her first start, I mean, but Neil from no laying up, this was definitely a take. Uh, the very, a very hot take. Yeah, they were uh, wanting to give over-unders uh, for uh, how many majors they think Rose will win, and his was 13. Yeah. 13 majors. That is, I mean, that's, that's basically a major a year uh, looking over the career of, what? I mean, there like it's one thing to make lofty predictions, but that is something else for for someone who has yet to play in an actual you know LPGA major event as a pro. Um, I don't know if she's as a pro played in any. She's probably played in U.S. Opens and um, um, but yeah, very. And I believe he did the same thing for Nelly. I think his line for Nelly was like twelve and a half uh, a couple of years ago when they did that. And yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that 
shakes out, if she keeps up this level of play or, you know, plateaus a little bit. But I know I was listening to the shotgun start and uh, Andy was just talking about how we don't want, like he doesn't want the expectations to be too high just because like he doesn't want it to be a situation where if, if we're, you know, one or two years down the road and she's like ranked number five in the world that people are, you know, saying that her career is a bust, um, you know, just to, you know, obviously she has the potential to be a pretty legendary player, but, um, you know, you never quite know how a career is going to shake out. So just got to enjoy good golf when you see it. And that was the bogey train talks LPGA golf. Yeah. Not, not a segment that we do every week. Yeah. That's, that's, when is the next LPGA major? I don't know. But also to be fair, I think they have five majors. So that they could do also, have five majors. That could also play into um, her having the potential to win um, a higher number than you might predict for a male player. So they have the, obviously the U S women's open and the women's British open and the women's PGA. Then they have the Evian, the Evian and the, and then what used, what used to be the ANA inspiration. And then this year it changed to the Chevron. So yeah. Shout out Rose. Um, all right. What? Where to now? Uh, let's go to. Let's let's talk about your weekend. Let's talk about your weekend. Um, All right. If those of you that don't follow the Bogey Train on Twitter, uh, or Instagram, or I guess anything else, you, if you do follow, you would have seen that uh, we tweeted out a leaderboard. Uh, Nick played in a pretty big event this weekend. I'll let him uh, take the floor and talk through it. Uh, yeah, Nick, take it away. Well, yeah, turned 25 this uh, spring, so it was my first year being eligible for mid-am events, which is uh, bittersweet, I guess, just because it makes me it feel makes, like I'm getting older. Yeah, does it make you feel old? Yeah, it makes you feel old a little bit, but also is like, hey, I might be able to play in a couple tournaments that don't have these crazy college golfers. Um, but it turns out the golfers that play are still quite good. So, um Yeah. That is what it is. So I played my first uh, South Dakota mid-am. Um, definitely was pretty nervous. Uh, the beginning part of the round Saturday, it was just two days, 18 holes a day, 36 total. Um, just because, you know, knowing that the field might not be quite as strong as the state am, which I've played in a bunch of times now, um, it sort of made me feel like, okay, I might have a real chance to actually be in the mix here. Not that I you know, don't think I can be in the mix at the state am, but, um, so had some, uh, had some early jitters in my first tee shot of the first round, just a toe snap hook right out of bounds to start the tournament. Uh, you hate to see it. So uh, an immediate reload, um, especially when I was playing with two guys that are very, very good golfers. Yeah. Who did Um, you, uh, who'd you play with the first day? Uh, Cade Bartles and uh, Brody Hollinger. So Brody ended up getting second and Cade ended up getting thir- uh, fifth. So, um, and then Cade proceeds to hook his out of bounds too. So I made double, he made double, and then Brody made bogey on our first hole. And 
I hit a provisional because I knew mine was probably out of bounds. Kate didn't. So like it took us about five minutes to be out of position for pace of play uh, in the first round. So that was, that was good. Um, but after the double, I sort of um, leveled things out for a while until I made a couple really sloppy bogeys on the back nine, the first round, um, but was able to finish with a birdie to shoot three over 74, which overall I wasn't pleased with because and 74 might not sound like that bad of a round, but just uh, I just was not pleased with uh, how it went. I was tied for 23rd after the first round. Um, and then my only goal for the second round was to get into the top 10 for the event and uh, ended up going out and shooting a one under par 70, which got me exactly tied for 10th. So um I guess can't really complain too much since that was my goal after the first round and moved up 13 spots on the leaderboard and uh, yeah, definitely took some positives away with uh, how I was playing. So yeah, made, made some uh, Sodak cut points. Yeah. Got 30 Sodak cut points for, I don't know how many they take at the end of the year, but so the Sodak cup is a thing that they do. The thing they do at the end of the year where yeah, the top maybe it's top 12, twelve. Top twelve. Top twelve Sodak Cup points um getters versus twelve um pros from throughout the state. Um and sort of like a little rider cup deal, amateurs versus club pros. So that would be fun to play in sometime. So yeah. we're gonna have to get some more points this uh weekend. Yeah. I don't uh Eric Hansen played in it on the pro side last year. Yeah, Levi, our club pro here, where I am, typically plays in it. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm um, pulling up some things that we're going to talk about here in a second. I uh, I tracked my uh, strokes gain stats. I didn't I I didn't use Arcos for uh, the tournament rounds. I'll probably get into that in a little bit here, um, but. My first round, and so this is in a, a different app, so it's compared to a male scratch versus when I'm in uh, Arcos, I'm compared to a plus three. So that's why the numbers look a little bit different. But my first round, I gained I gained 2.3 off the tee, even with hitting one out of bounds somehow. Um, gained 2.6 approach, lost 0.6 short game, and lost um, just over a shot putting, which makes sense. I uh, I missed a, a few uh, six-footers late in the round on the first day. And then second day, I uh, it was just overall a lot better. Overall strokes gained for the round was 7.27, which is, which is pretty nice. Gained four shots off the tee. Uh, over three shots approach, uh, lost a shot, uh, actually over a shot short game. Um, but then gained over a shot putting, which is, um, you know, the way I've been putting to start the year is a, is a pretty decent round. Hopefully I can keep improving, but, uh, yeah, overall my ball striking felt pretty dang good. Um, just a lot of quality shots, uh, off the tee and into greens, the second day, I left myself a lot of uh, like 20 to 25 footers for birdie. So um, I would hope to going forward, just be able to maybe drop one or two of those 
I didn't really make any of them. Uh, my birdies were shorter putts. So if I can just, you know, on those mid-length birdie putts, like, you know, 15 to 25 feet, just um, get them a little close, you know, so that more of them are having a real chance to go in. And then um, I guess maybe get a little bit better from 50 yards and in. But yeah, other than that, I'm feeling pretty good with where most of my game is at. Yeah, your your game seems to be in a really good spot. Um, you know, obviously played played pretty decent at the the U.S. Open qualifier. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Obviously, you know, not up to your standards. And then again, this this past weekend, uh, seventy and probably one of the the bigger tournaments that you'll play in this year. Um, not a not a bad bad start to the year. Yeah, and then that second round, I think um I think there were only three lower rounds on the course. So I think I had the fourth best round of the day. So I will definitely take that. It's just a matter of, you know, I needed to get off to a little bit better start the first day, but um Yeah, you know, it makes me feel like I'm I'm right there with a lot of the <clears throat> better players in the state. So Yeah, that's that is what we need. Uh kind of going into this coming weekend where we're notorious for good starts, right? We are great at having good starts. Yeah. Um, this weekend to be able to keep pace, you got to usually in, in the, uh, two man that we're playing this weekend, you usually got to be like at least six under in the first round. And, um, the past couple of years, we've sort of been like, getting like a couple shots over par in the first round and really trying to battle back. And we just got to figure out a way to get our foot on the gas early. I think. Yeah. Um, our two man tournament this weekend, we will get right into that or should we talk? Let's let's go into this first. Okay. It's a, yeah, pretty, Um, pretty smooth transition. Uh, this weekend we'll be in Mitchell, South Dakota playing the South Dakota two man championship. Uh, a tournament that we've played together now, what, four or five years? Um, uh, did we play it in 18? Yeah, 18, 19. We skipped 21, 20. 22. Yeah. So this will be our first one. I, I had I tested positive for COVID like the day before the event. So, uh, and, that, and, and that was 2020. So it's kind of a big is, deal back then. This is an event that we have some actual good history in if you want to call it that uh our our first year uh and the format of the tournament it's first day is a two-man best ball uh the second day is a modified chapman uh which is kind of like an alternate shot except you both hit your tee shot you hit your partner's approach shot and then you pick from there uh and play alternate shot in uh, in our first year, we played absolutely terrible in the Chapman format. Shot seventy-seven in the second round. Uh, yeah, shot we, our way we out just, of it pretty quickly. We just we just lost our heads, honestly. <laughs> like we, I don't uh, know why. Like, and we were like, "Oh man, that Chapman format yeah. is just so hard." Like, I don't know how teams shoot under par doing that. But then, I believe it also involved it a four putt. Um, <laughs> yep, we combined for a four putt on one of the holes, I think, for double. Yeah. Uh, but then we, we go back to second year and we finished tied for eighth in the state. That's, uh, that, that's our highest finish, isn't it? I believe so. 70 in the first round, 69 in the second round. Uh, that was in 2019. We skipped 2020. We go 2021. 
We finished T14. Uh, we go 71-68. That was the year we had we had a super hot start the second yeah, round. Yeah, we were, and we were just like couldn't really keep day, it going. We, we birdied four of our first six. And should have birdied five of our first six. We missed a pretty short one on one. Oh, yeah. Um, and by we, you mean me. Well, I hit the shot. Yeah, you just missed the putt. Uh, and then last year we finished T17. Shot 74 in best ball. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> tough. That was a, tough. A sixty nine in the Chapman, and you know, and that second round, that was one of the best rounds on the course. Like I don't, that was like the third best round of the day, I think. Yeah, uh, and that was with us not having our rangefinder set to the right unit of measurement for three holes. No, it was at uh, least four holes, which like is actually is actually really funny uh, because when I was playing last week. And we're playing in men's league and a guy asked me for the number and I give him the number and I say, you might not want to trust me though, because sometimes my rangefinder has a history of going into meters. Uh, and so I proceed to hit, you know, seven iron from like 170 and come up like 15 yards short. And I'm like, what's going on? And I look at my rangefinder and it is in meters. Uh, so so something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, um, we got to make sure the Vegas bookies know that, you know, sometimes the yardages are a little off. We can yeah. uh, make sure the odds factor that in. Yeah. But our, our best ball has been faltering uh, <laughs> as the years have gone by. Uh, you know, 74 last year in best ball, not really all that great. Um, so, yeah, we need, we need to get off to a hot start. We need to play well in the best ball. We're actually the – And we were the part only of it – team in the top 20 to shoot over par day one yeah 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 i wonder how many spots we moved up were we like 40th or yeah we had to have been pretty low um yeah and i don't know exactly what it is i think it's just like i think i've always played better in tournaments where the setups are somewhat tougher rather than ones where it's like super easy and you just got to make a bunch of birdies. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I don't know, maybe it's just how, how my game is because I'm not going to at least usually make a whole bunch of like birdie putts, but I can hit strike the ball really solid so I can make a ton of pars. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, like I'm not, I don't, you make I'm putts. Not, I'm not a guy that makes a whole lot of birdies though. Like I'm a guy that will knock in a lot of five ten footers for to save par because my iron game is so atrocious. But when I give myself a birdie putt, it's usually like an outside look from twenty twenty five that are usually pretty difficult to knock in. So I don't usually, you know, looking at last year, I didn't make a single birdie uh, in the best ball round, and I don't think I did the year before either. Uh Really? You didn't make a single birdie in best ball either the last two oh, years? Oh, no, I did. I did hole one uh, at Hart Ranch. So that's one birdie. And let's go back to, what's this one? This one is 2019. So this is Red Rock. I made two birdies at Red Rock. And at. Those were probably B- pretty big. At BCC, they don't have the scorecards, but I don't think I made one. BCC, so in our best ball, no, I do remember BCC the first round. We we shot sixty nine, and I was seventy one on my own ball. So we yeah. used my score on sixteen holes. Yeah, but you did save me with uh, pars on two of them. 
So we went bogey free um, that day. So so in the four years we've played this tournament, I have accounted for four birdies in best ball. Jeez, I didn't know that's the situation we were looking at. But yeah. hopefully we can I think we can double that this year. I, I mean, it's I, I basically your home so. course. Uh, the, you know? Yeah, it is. It is a course that I played in college a lot. Um, and it's actually it's a course that is five par fives, which is really good for me because oh, yeah. that's usually I where I make birdies. Five. Par fives, yeah, sick. Well, and um, I mean, I, and they're not I mean, long. Par either. three, par threes are generally like the hard holes, but I think the part like having an extra par three sets up good for us too because I uh, I feel very good about my iron game. Yeah, so, I, and the par threes are not necessarily all that hard there. Um, yeah, uh, like you look at hole three, hole three is pretty easy. It's 170 ish, 160, 170. Yeah. Uh, hole seven's like 170, 180. Hole eight's a wedge. It's 130 mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, the ones on the back are a little tougher. There's the one that's really far uphill. And then there's the one that's yeah. like 210. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, the par threes on the back. You're right. Those are, those but, are serious par threes. But then the par fives again are, are not all that long. They're all gettable. Yep. Four and five and are certainly reachable. Nine's definitely reachable. Ten's probably the longest, isn't it? Ten, I think ten plays the longest, yeah. But it's still it reachable. Like the, it's like a driver it like, three would. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of, I am nuking my clubs right now. I uh like I mentioned to you, uh, that hole two, the par five at, at Baker, I had two sixty five into the fan yesterday and got and I uh I decided to go with my my four wood at 16 degrees and three iron. I was, that was kind of a last minute decision. I was going to knock that to 19 degrees and have that and my three wood in the bag, but just last minute felt more confident the other way. And, uh, had two sixty five. It's like, man, I don't think I can get there, but I waited for the green to clear and just like ripped one. And it was pin high. And, uh, then later, I don't know if you remember hole 12 at Baker. It's like a par five. It sort of turns up into yeah, the right. Yeah. That's, that has like the cornfield on the right. It's after the par three, right? The par three with yeah. the water. Yep. Yeah. Um, second day I had, I had 263 and I hit three iron, like pin high. So, I mean, and then 17 par three, I had two, it was 235. I hit four iron past pin high. So I'm. You- you want to talk about nuking your clubs since I've switched to these vice golf balls. These things got some pop. I was playing really? last week. Uh, yeah. And two yellow, um, from the white tees cause it's men's league, but I was past the corner. No wind. Mm-hmm. I had one thirty in for my second shot. Okay. Like, yeah, I, I'm nuking the driver with, and like yesterday at Prairie winds on hole two, I had one sixty five in no wind. Jeez. Like speaking of the one good thing that came out of me, snap hooking my first T ball at the mid am is that you found I, a vice. I found a brand new vice pro plus. Yes. So I have that in my bag. Yes. So, um, but also I, with the, uh, store with the shop cred that I got, I just bought more pro V's. So, yeah, I, it's been really kind of sickening as I've been kind of cleaning out uh, a lot of my golf stuff. Uh, I'm kind of trying to organize myself like a little golf area in my house. I bought a shoe stand or like a shoe shelf for all my shoes and my hats. Uh, 
but I've got like four dozen pro V's like four boxes of pro V's just scattered around my house that I have never touched and will never touch. What do you mean? will never touch. Well, cause I'm a vice guy now. Well, why, I mean, you have, you have the pro V's. You might as well use them. Yeah, I might as well hit them in the water. Yeah. I guess I will use them this weekend cause I can't play vices in Chapman. So exactly. Yeah. I could, I will play vices. I'll play vices on Saturday probably, but why wouldn't you use the same ball for both days? Cause wh- why would you do that? That's just because it's a tournament. That's not counterintuitive. Um, makes sense. But yeah, we're, we're hoping to get off to a good start. Uh, what do we want to set the goal at for the first day? 68 no, kind of thinking, um, or do we have to go lower than 68? Do you think? I think five under for the first round would be five under is is, is a good goal. Well, what's our Don't best ever? What's our best ever? Um, first round. Yeah, minus is, three. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, I think we can do a lot better than that. Uh, yeah. At this course, we've got good vibes at Lakeview. We're both playing pretty good. We're just gonna. I'm, I don't yeah, know. We just gotta have. We just gotta have a better mindset. Well, do we want to talk about me playing good right now, or do we want to save that for after Arcos? Since you just mentioned we can talk about playing it. good. We can talk um, about it right now. So kind of at the start, we talked about our New Year's resolutions at the start of this year, uh, and one of mine was kind of get to get back to scratch and get my game back in form. And starting off the year, it was not all that great. Uh, yeah, like how, say, how, does, how does this compare to how you were feeling about your game like a month ago? A month, like, a month ago, my game was so bad. I was playing, you know, just nine whole rounds from the white tees. Uh, and I could like, I couldn't make birdies. I was barely making pars. Like I shot a couple 37s, a couple 38s, some 40s. Uh, it was just everywhere. And then the first week of men's league last week, I go 43-38. And the 38 was on the easiest course at Cattail from the whites. And... Then it kind of it fast forwards to last Wednesday, and I went out and played nine holes and shot 41. And I was like, just something doesn't feel right. And I was just, I was so mad at myself after that round. Um, and I just, I went in, I was like, I'm going to buy two, bucket, two buckets of balls. I might not use them all, but I'm going to find a swing thought on the range. Like, I'm just going to go hit range and find a swing thought. And I get about halfway through the first bucket and I'm doing my little towel trick where I put my towel underneath across my chest and underneath my armpits. And mm-hmm. it keeps like my, my upper body rotating all together so that like yeah. my arms aren't getting out front. And I just kind of started striping it. Uh, and like everything was just like a little two, three yard draw. And my irons just felt so pure. Um, and so I kind of had like that feeling that that I had sort of found the feeling I wanted. Go out, play men's league the next day, start out four over through three. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And again, this is on blue, easiest course at Cattail. And I'm like, I thought I just found it. It's it's not there. Proceed to birdie four, seven, eight, nine to shoot even. And shoot 32 on the back nine. So for a 68 for the day and 
I mean, 32 is my lowest nine hole round since I shot 29 four years ago. And so I was, I kind of was feeling the game a little bit and I just shot 32, uh, 68 was my lowest round in like three years. I don't think I've shot 60 in the sixties since like 2021. So, uh, go out and play yesterday, practice round with my, my players for the state tournament, uh, and just fire off a 69 at the country club here in town with three birdies on the last three holes. So just this swing thought, you know, I've been hitting it a lot better. Um, and I'm not being as stupid and dumb and aggressive off the tee as I normally would be. Like I'm actually not just ripping driver everywhere. I'm kind of playing smart in some ways. So that's kind of helping as well. Interesting. But, but yeah, going forward, I mean, especially at Lakeview, there's some holes where it's pretty tight and you don't need to hit driver. And maybe usually I would hit driver and I might not do that this weekend. So interesting. Um, I might be the opposite. I might be pounding driver uh, lots of places. Yeah. I mean, you're going to, I'm going to hit driver on the par fives because obviously when we do, when we do Chapman, you're going to be leaving me with like six irons. I'm going to leave you with, I'm not going to leave you with six irons. That course is not long enough that you'll ever have a six iron in. I guess. I mean, the longest par four is 450, probably hole six. Um, yeah, let me. Yeah, that's the longest one. I want to look at the the scorecard from last year when the stroke play was there and see what the the yardage was. So the longest par four. Hole six is 462. Hole 18 is 460. That course is 6,700 yards. I did not know it was that long. I thought it was shorter than that. What do you mean that long? That's that's probably exactly what I would have guessed. I thought it was shorter than that. I thought it was like 65. Probably like, five par fives. Like hole two at 415. I hit hybrid off the tee there. You're going to be 150 in. I mean, that's that's kind of my get in the fairway club, so to speak. If I'm hitting something off the tee that's not driver, it's going to be hybrid. Right. And we also know from experience in the two man that I can hit dri- hybrid past people's drivers. So, I think uh, I think a top ten would be a nice week for us. I I'd like to get another top ten. Um, I do and think I, it would be really fun to like have, um, yeah. Obviously, since we're going late, early, it'll. Be I think it'd be really fun to win early tea time, but oh yeah, but just to like be in the mix, I like you know, um, like coming down the, the the final stretch with with a chance coming down the the final nine and being you know in the mix, I think would be a lot of fun. You know, even getting to to like fourteen. So drivable par four and then reachable par five back to back, getting to those two holes and having a chance to go like birdie eagle or birdie birdie uh, and really put yourself in there. That'd be, that'd be really nice. I think winning scores probably going to have to be. I think it's going to be between. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it, it, it could be 
12 to 14. Um, but I definitely think we can do it. You know, I think we could ham and egg ourselves to a, uh, you know, 66 possibly the first day. You know, there's uh, especially with your ball striking. If you look at the the, the indexes of everyone playing, you know, on paper there's probably a lot of teams that are supposedly better than us. But hey, golf is played on grass, not paper. It's you know, like they can't. None of those teams can stop us from going out and shooting ten no. twelve under. So it's also really funny thinking of how we're so good at Chapman and it makes perfect sense now because like I will put us in the fairway and you have the iron game and then I'm just a better putter. And so that, that that's like, probably the formula that, for a lot that's of our why, That's why our Chapman scores are always so good. Cause you're leaving me like eight feet and I'm just lights out from like, yeah. Cause tap. like, cause like a, a lot of times we'll, <laughs> we'll be chatting. It's like, Oh, could we just have your putting with my iron game? It's like, well, that's kind of what it is in the Chapman. Yeah, and it just works for us. Like, yeah. But hopefully, I can get. Um, hopefully, I can get a few putts to go in. Uh, like uh, my last hole at the Mid Am made a about a twenty footer for birdie, which got me into the top ten and top five in my flight. So, which uh, ooh, a little shop know. cred. Yeah, a little a little shop cred action. So. I didn't know how big that putt was at the time, but speaking of putting, did I tell you my stats from yesterday or did I send them? I don't know if you actually, Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. So plus three driving, uh, plus three handicap approach zero for the short game and a plus 10 putting. Uh, um, what was the, the actual strokes gained? I, putting? I, I, I gained two and a half shots putting yesterday alone. Um, two and a half. Okay. I honestly thought it might be higher. Yeah. And kind of coming down the stretch. So 16, which is a short par four. I drove it into the greenside bunker. Um, and it was kind of right up against the lip. So I had to chop it out, had like 30 feet for birdie. And I can that 17, which is a par three. I hit it's like 25 feet, uh, and rolled that in and then made like a 10, 11 footer for birdie on 18 as well. Um, which really helps out the strokes gained. I also had a missed four footer in there early in the round. So, you know, just the, the putter was really good yesterday. And obviously the approach game was, was really good. Um, proximity of the hole is not that good though. I've noticed my, uh, my average proximity to the hole from a hundred to 150 is 34 feet which is not necessarily great uh, by any means. And that's what I'm talking about. Like I usually don't make a lot of birdies because from hundred to 150, I'm hitting it to 34 feet and I don't make a lot of 34 footers. So that's just, that's kind of how my game works. That's why it's nice to have Nick hit the iron shots and give me 15 feet. Um, and my make percentage from, 15 feet is a little bit above average. Let's just say. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see uh, how we play and how well this conversation ages over the next week. But I, yeah, next, I mean, next based week. off of like how we were both feeling like, uh, I don't know, a month ago or two months ago, whenever um, 
I was just, uh, not that I wasn't excited for the event, but I was like, Oh, like this, this might not be our best finish yeah. that we've ever had. But now that we're both actually playing pretty good, um, yeah. I'm, I'm as excited as I've ever been for the two man. So yeah, pretty, um, pretty fitting. I was not really feeling this and I don't even have my clubs yet for my fitting, but, but pre fitting, like my swing just felt garbage. Like I just did not feel, did not feel ready, uh, for the tournament. And, you know, kind of being four days out, five days out now, like I, this is the most ready that I've felt the entire year. So, uh, that's, that's kind of a good, a good sign for us. I think we say that and we're going to go 76, 76 and yeah, maybe, but, but it'll be fun, but it will be fun. It is always fun, uh, to, you know, it's a little bit different. It's not just on your own. You have a partner, um, you know, it's kind of like the, is it the Zurich classic? Just a different environment, yeah. different vibe. Don't compare it to that. That's like the worst event on the tour. What's our, what's two, our walk-up song going to be this year? The two man's like the best event. Is it going to be fight song by Rachel Platten? Now we'll have to, we'll have to figure something else out. In celebration um, of man by Yanni. Yes. Uh, kind of speaking on strokes game too. I was talking about a little bit. Uh, you have been on the Arcos grind for strokes gained lately. Uh, yes. How's that been going? So I played two rounds with it. And so I still have my free trial for about another month. Um, it's been interesting. So the first round I played with it, I was, I was using my other odyssey, my, my new one, the number seven. And that has a super stroke grip in it, but like one of them that has the metal thing at the bottom end of the grip. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't put the putter sensor in. So that first round, I was just getting used to it, you know, how it all works. And the, my putter didn't have a sensor because it won't go, it doesn't, it's not compatible with the super stroke grip unless you get the an adapter. So I had to just manually put in like where all my putts were from. And so the first round I was like, this is a disaster because it was a huge distraction and it was just not like, not all that user-friendly. And I, and I knew it was like, okay, well, I, this can't, I got to give it a fair shake. I have to at least use it. Um, you know, I either have to get the adapter or use a different putter because, mm -hmm. um, it's not really giving it the, a fair shake. Um, so I played again and which, which, was good anyway because I putted so bad. I lost like five strokes that round I sent you guys. Um so I went to a different putter anyway. So this um, this putter that you just bought. Oh yeah. And we're so excited to get in the bag. First round it's already benched. Um no, it was my second round. With it well, I played nine holes with it once and then I played a full eighteen and couldn't do it. It's it's I think it's permanently benched. So, um, so it's that thing's getting sold after a month. Oh yeah, it's been on Facebook Marketplace for multiple days oh, now. Oh my gosh. Um anyway, um listen. <laughs> listen. Uh as is a quote from one of my wife and I's favorite movies, uh sometimes you have to kiss the wrong girl to know the right girl. What you know what I mean? From? Well, it's from 
It's from it's from the second movie in uh, the three movie series of to all the boys I've loved before. The quote is actually a girl saying it about yeah. boys, but I didn't want to quote it like that because you know I don't swing that way. Yeah. So I replaced boy with girl. Great movie series, by the way. You've seen it? Yes. Okay. You, did you guys watch the Netflix series, The Exo Kitty? I am ashamed to say yes. Yeah, yes. we we were just watching it this past weekend. Oh um, my god! Yeah, like, like, yeah. literally, like last week or the week before. Okay, well, I might have to cut this part out. It's too embarrassing. <laughs> uh but yes, that's from "To All the Boys," and uh, the second one's the one with Jordan Fisher too, right? Jordan the, is he the one that plays John Ambrose? I think so. Yeah, the dreamy like the ex. Yeah, well, yeah, the um, one that she wrote all the letters to. Well, she also wrote a letter to Peter. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I can't believe we're talking about that. <laughs> so this, anyway, back to Arco. So I played another round. So I had, I had the sensor. I was using uh, my old putter, my my OG, which isn't my Odyssey White Hot OG. Funny enough, uh, that goes back to twenty. We're talking about thirteen or fourteen. The Rossi. The Rossi. Weapon. Went back to the Rossi. Uh, went back to left hand low. So some might call it the Crossy. And the Crossy uh, Rossi. So played around at Elmwood from the tips, which is over seventy two hundred yards. Uh, it's rated between I think seventy four and seventy five. Um, so I had a sensor in my putter. Did did the full deal, and I mean it definitely makes it better. Um, but it still misses a lot of putts, and I think. That happens when you have a putter face that's really soft. It can tend to like not pick up the sound. So I did have to manually place a lot of the putts, but I, and I also learned, so I've been using the link on my belt, you know? So is um, that how the Arcos works? Is it's through the sound? Uh, yes. It uses sound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's why. So if you're using your phone, your phone has to be in your front pocket. If you're using your phone or if you're using the link, it has to be like on your lead side like belt or on your pocket and the microphone on it can't be covered up. Um, so it does miss some putts. You have to, um, you know, after whether you do it after the round or hole by hole, you sort of have to edit the short game shots and kind of put them where it was. But, and I also learned before that round that um, the way you put the flag is um, there's a, there's a big button on the link and you just go like stand right where the flag is and then push the button and then it registers where the pin is. So that was another one of my frustrations from that first one. I was like, cause then I had to like, you know, zoom in and like move it to where I thought the flag was. And so the experience was a lot better the second time when I had all the sensors and um, knew a little bit more of how to actually use it. But I did have to still go in and edit like where some shots were and stuff like that. So, um, so it was still a little bit of a distraction. I didn't want to think about it. So I took all the sensors out and I didn't use it for the tournament. Um, I just took down my notes like as I was walking out there and ended up inputting are, are those, them. Are those legal to have on your clubs during tournaments? I think they are. You have to like, when you're in the app, you have to put the app on like a tournament mode or something, okay. I believe. Uh, but I think it's legal to have the sensors on the clubs because, I mean, I've had... Cobra connect sensors in my grips for years. Yeah. Right. So it's not like the sensors are inherently illegal. Um, but, but the thing is like, 
one thing I noticed is how I grip the putter. Like my hands are at the, the absolute end of the grip. So like, I definitely feel the sensor there and I do not like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know what I'm going to do moving forward because basically all of the different strokes gained things like have positives and negatives. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I should do like a full review of it at some point, but those are sort of my initial thoughts. The visual part is cool because it's like GPS, like actual images that are on your phone and you can go back into all your rounds and, and like, so say you had like a really like, you know, once in a, like bucket list golf trip and you played, you know, Pebble Beach or something like, you oh, could, so you can you see could, like exactly you, where you were at Pebble you Beach. You could, you could, yeah, like ha- have in the app forever, like, uh, like a GPS, like actual image of where you, yeah. you hit each shot from, which is really cool. Yeah. That's, um, that is really cool. And then the, the also thing, the thing that's uh, nice about Arcos versus uh, what we've been doing in other apps is just like entering uh, your yardage in basically. Um, is that it, it tracks the yardage, like your distances for each club. Mm-hmm. So like, rather than just knowing how far out you were on a given shot, like it, it, you know, captures obviously what club you're hitting. And so then, so you can get like true distances for like your, your seven iron. You may think you right. hit it 180, but you actually hit it 174. Yeah. And, and for some people that might be really helpful. Um, honestly, I don't think I need that because every situation is different. Like I might hit a seven iron from one fifty eight, and I might hit a seven iron from two twelve. So yeah, honestly, I don't know if that is really all that helpful. Um, knowing like, okay, this is the average that your seven iron went this year. That's not information that's particularly like useful for me. I don't think. Yeah. Um, the best part is just like driver distance and that's not because it's going to help my game to know that, but it's just because I think it's cool just to know like on average, how far my driver actually goes. But, uh, yeah. And another thing I do like about the Arcos is how precise you can get with what you're comparing your game against. So like, it's like, okay, this is what your handicap is right now. And this is what you want to be by the end of the year. And so then you could just say, whatever your goal is by the end of the year, that's what you compare yourself against. So like the other apps or some of the other apps that I've used, basically the options are a scratch or a pro. But this one, in Arcos, I've been comparing myself against a plus three. So like very accurate to the type of player that I am, which also related note, my uh, after the tournament, my handicap is going to be the lowest it's ever been at a plus 2.6. So, um, bad for scrambles, um, but good for my ego, I guess. Yeah. Glad you are not going to be playing the pro-am this year. So you're not on my team. So I might have a chance to sandbag my way to a title. There we Um, go. I don't even know if I'm playing in it because I don't know if I can find a team or what I'm even doing that weekend. But... But yeah, very, very nice. I think I'm down to a 1.8 after yesterday's round. Um, but the 32 or that 68 that I shot at men's league, mm-hmm. since they put it in as individual nines, the the 32 is going to be sitting there waiting to be paired. Um, so whatever, so you, whatever, whatever you I shoot at league, league this week, week will get paired with it. Uh, so hopefully I shoot like 50 for my handicap. 
uh, so it doesn't pair and make me any lower. But I'd say I'll probably end up being a, probably a 1.5, 1.4, something like that uh, by the time that gets put in. So, I mean, my goal is to get back to scratch. I definitely think I can do it if I can keep playing like this, uh, especially as we get more into the summer and I can start playing more and more rounds, not just when I'm going out playing with other people. Like I can actually go out and play by myself a little bit more. Uh, start playing the tips a little bit more, uh, which also helps the handicap because I can shoot the same exact number from the whites and blues, but the whites are the differentials like three strokes right. lower. So, right. Um, do you have any other questions on like how the Arcos works or, um, so I guess the one thing you mentioned with the putting, like the sensor, so does that, it just tracks it to where the hole is. That's how it tracks your putt distance. So like you, you put the sensor up to it and this is where you're putting from. And then you stand next to the hole and hit a button. So you it knows how far your putt is. So basically um, it's, it's supposed to just catch it when you hit your putt. Okay. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Um and then it just knows where the hole is, whether, whether you do it like before you hit your putt and you're like reading it and you just walk to the hole and just like tap the button on the link, or if you just do it as you're picking the ball up. So then like, once you tap the button, it'll just know, okay, that's where the hole mm-hmm. was. So then your first putt was 20 feet away or 40 feet away, whatever. Yeah. So, so it's just, it's all GPS based basically. Entirely. Yep. And this is, this is what Drew uses as well, right? Yeah. He doesn't have the link. He just uses it. He just keeps his phone. You have to keep your phone in your front pocket. If you don't have the link, we, uh, I would never be able to do that. I hate having my phone in my pocket when I play golf. Do you have an Apple watch? I do, but I never wear it because it can pair with an Apple watch too, but it has to be, it has to be a certain generation or else Mm -hmm. it will like absolutely drain the battery. I've heard. We, uh, we might have to get drew on again uh in a maybe a month or two or so after you have a little bit of time with the Arcos and maybe do a little Arcos podcast uh with yeah, him and Drew. That'd be you know, because he's been using it for what, two years or so, three years? Probably maybe? I think I don't know if last year was his first year. I think he was using it pretty much all of last year and uses oh. it and uses it still. So so yeah, just uh to kind of talk about that a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't think I have any other questions on the Arcos sounds. I mean, it sounds a lot easier than what I have to do by putting in all my shots manually. Yeah. But, um, on the course, it's like, I don't know. It can, it can be a distraction. Like yeah. my, my first round I played with, obviously, you know, I, I didn't have the putter sensor, which made it a lot harder, but, um, it was, it was a bit of a, it was an, it was a total distraction. I mean, yeah. that was, that was my practice round for Baker. I shot 79, if that tells you anything. Um, but yeah. I mean, once you figure out like how to use it and if you actually have all the sensors and everything, I mean, it, it does, it does get better. There's, there's a lot of upsides to it. Um, but the, probably the biggest downside is the subscription. I mean, it's 150 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, I guess golf metrics is too. Obviously it's not that much. 
Yeah, golf metrics is only like thirty nine ninety nine for six months. Yeah. Sixty nine ninety nine yeah. for a year. Entering entering all the info after the round is a, kind of a pain. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, basically it's just I. I can kind of echo your statement with golf metrics uh, being a distraction during the round. Like, especially when you're around the green. Um, Cause like, I've gotten really good at being like a field player. Like I will, I'll maybe walk off like my landings spot. If I have like a 30 yard chip and I'll walk off to where I want to land it and kind of get that feel. But you know, to get a more exact number of like how far I am from the pin, you have to walk all the way off to the pin, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of messes. It's too many numbers in my head. So then I'm, I start thinking like, oh, I got a 30 yard shot, but I have to land at 16. And then there was a little while where I was just nuking every wedge shot, like from around the greens. Mm-hmm. And like, same with putting, like, you know, stepping off putts and knowing exactly how far your putt is kind of ruins the feel part of it for me so that is kind of a downside but which is yeah interesting that you say that because that's pretty much what i was doing uh at the mid-am because i was i was just taking uh notes Mm -hmm. just like in my in my notepad that was just in my uh right by my scorecard so yeah i was for the first time ever like in a tournament i was i was like stepping off my putts and um, some, sometimes it was just an estimate if I didn't actually, yeah. but, um, yeah, I had never done that before. Yeah. That was something I used to do like back in high school and early college. I was always a, a putt stepper offer. Um, and then after that, I just kind of stopped. I don't really know why. Uh, and I guess now I'm just kind of going back into it. So maybe it'll just become a routine thing again. And uh, I don't it become that big of a deal, but I never even looked at it like a distract. Like I just would, if I just stepped it off, I'd be like, okay, this putt is, you know, about 40 feet. And then I would just like, like file it away. Like I wouldn't use that at all to be like, okay, I need to hit yeah. this like a 40 footer. I would just yeah. look at the putt and just hit it as, and my yeah. speed was actually quite good. Maybe that's, maybe I'm just overthinking it when I'm actually doing it. Um, and actually, yeah, that's interesting that you step off to your landing spot because I've, I've never been one to like um, step off uh, to my landing spot, but yeah. Cause like if I'm, you know, if I'm green side uh, and say the pin is, you know, 20 yards away uh, and it's, it's 12 yards to the edge of the green, I'll walk off that 12 paces to the edge of the green and then know that I want to land this like, an extra pace or so on. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to land at 13 yards and then let it release that other seven. So just kind of that, like, that's how I get my feel. See, like, I even, just have, you know, that like all laser numbers from like 35 yards, just cause like, yeah. I'm more, I'm not really more of a feel person. I'm more of like an actual number person. Like I know my 35 yard swing and exactly how to hit it. Yeah. So, see, that's interesting. Like I, I don't have like, yeah, because I would never be like, okay, I'm trying to land this 13 yards, and this is my this is my action that will make it go 13 yards. I'd be like, okay, look with my eyes and be like, okay, that's where I want to land it. I'm just going to try to land it right there. And yeah. I wouldn't even be thinking like, okay, that's 13 yards away. But yeah, it's just uh, different ways we... So last thing, do you have... Are you playing in any other events like uh, for the summer? Like other big, big events two, other than the two man, obviously. 
Um, two man not scrambles included. Yeah, not scrambles. Uh, Pro am is a question mark. Uh, there's a couple different factors behind the pro am. Uh, there's a a get together that some of my my friends in town here they always meet either here in or in Nebraska. So that might be that same weekend. So I don't know if I'll play the pro am or not. Um, not playing the match play this year because I don't want to go to a... I don't want to go to Pier wherever it is Arrowhead. I think is where it is. I don't actually at Arrowhead. Yeah, I don't want to go to Arrowhead just to play the match play. And I know it's like three guaranteed matches if you qualify, but I just oh I yeah, don't they change to. it to the pods this year. Yeah, if if it's local, um, you know, like next year I'll probably play it because it'll probably be on this side of the river, hopefully. But this year, I I just don't want to drive out to Rapid City for it. That's um, fair. Compesco Open. Uh, would be my other big tournament I usually play in. I don't know if we're planning on playing that this year or not. Are you doing the stroke play? I where's the stroke play this year? Willow. That Willow. Uh that's a that one's a question mark too right now. Um not a hundred percent sure. And again, it kind of comes down to if my game's in a good spot at that point. And that is right before the school year starts, and I'm starting at a new school this year. So it does. It will become a busy time. Um, so I don't know if I'll be able to make that one work or not. But basically, the whole summer is just sort of building up for the Compesca. Then that's that's really a lot of what it is. Uh, it's going to be a lot of scrambles this summer, and just kind of a lot of. I, I don't know. It's it's a weird summer. This summer for me, it's like I, I feel a lot busier this summer. Um, and a lot of it's not necessarily golf related. So it's, it's just, it's different. I don't know. Stroke play. I mean, I, I would say yes as of now, but again, kind of depends on school stuff and how the game is. Well, I think we've probably gone on uh, way too long at this point. So Yeah, I just got a text from my fiance that says, why are these things so long? So apparently that means we, we've hit the two-hour mark. Oh, well, yeah. That'll happen when we skip a week. Yeah. But, yeah, still a little long. If you've made it this far, I don't know if I should say thank you or shame on you. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, will, I will say I am planning on playing the Sodak Cup Saturday, October 7th. So... Oh wow! So uh, yeah, that's bold. So we're I guess we're winning. Play, this weekend. We're gonna have to play really well this weekend, and I'm gonna have to play the state stroke play, and win that as well. All right. Well, anything else before we call it? Uh, I don't think so. Are you playing the adult? You're playing the adult junior this year, right? Possibly. But, okay. And what's your tournament schedule looking like for the summer? Uh, just a two-man um, attempting to qualify for the U.S. Amateur June 28th. Um, I don't know if I've got anything in July other than possibly the uh, adult junior. And then in August, I am playing the stroke play. I am doing a U.S. Mid-Am qualifier 
And then I might be doing the mid-am two-man in September. That one's up in the air. And the Capesca, obviously. Oh, yes. Forgot about that one. So, yeah, I actually have a... I have a few that I've still got. So hopefully we have some fun. Yeah. And obviously I'm going to try and win my men's league back to back years. So back to back years, back to back five, a champions, hopefully. All right. Well, um, until next time, whether that's next week or not, uh, well, next time you hear from us, we will uh, hopefully have some trophies on our desks. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be nice that to be, be carrying home a trophy. That would be something. But... All right. Well, I suppose uh, this, is, uh, this is our stop. This is, uh, this is yeah, the station. Well, this is the, the 910 to Yuma, as one may say. Uh, Till next time. I just got stuck in a bogey train. Mm-hmm.